0: You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss, host of Locked on Rays, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked on Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Rays. Well, today is the final installment of our crossover episode series with other Locked On podcast host throughout the AL East. Today, I'm joined by Gabrielle Starr, who is the host of the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Hope you all enjoy.
1: Okay, so this is the first of many division crossover episodes. Red Sox and Rays, usually division rivals, probably not so much with the rival part this year, but we will be facing each other 19 times this season. So locked on Red Sox and locked on Rays for the first crossover of the year.
0: Yeah, Gabrielle, it, it should be a very interesting season in the AL East for the Rays, the Red Sox and and all the other teams. And I I really wanted to get your impressions of I know it's been a little bit, but the Mookie bets to the Dodgers trade, are you still reeling from that or have you kind of recovered emotionally a little bit?
1: Um, I don't think I've recovered and I don't think I'm reeling. I think I'm just kind of like numb and dead inside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, Red Sox fans, like I know it sounds really spoiled, you know, they have four championships in 15 years and blah, blah, blah. But I think what people forget to take into consideration is the fact that fans have zero control over what happens to their team, you know, for better or for worse. So if the team is really good, like that's great. Um, and fans get to enjoy that. But if the team's really bad, then the fans are just like, kind of like suffering, you know, along for the ride. I just, after everything, you know, I feel like people aren't people who aren't Red Sox fans are not focused on like the laundry list of things that have happened to the Red Sox mm-hmm. over the last few months, you know, they lost Porcello, Price, Mookie, Cora, Brock, Holt, um, Pedroya's had yet another setback. Chris Sale's had yet another setback. They're adjusting to a new manager. Like when, you, and you know, and, and of course the fact that they're under investigation and the findings of the investigation have still not been announced and it's just hanging over everyone's heads. Like when you kind of add it all up and look at it, cumulatively like it's been a very rough five months not to mention last season was just kind of endless torture of like why aren't they as good as they're supposed to be and why is yet another person hurt uh it's just it's just bad and people keep asking me like oh why are you so negative well what do you want me to be happy about there's like not that much to be excited about when you consider the fact that this team is kind of a disaster and there's no real end to that in sight
0: Right. And I'm, I'm, I've I've got to be honest, Rays fans and I'm sure other ALEs teams are kind of nipping at the bud to try to get some to kind of dig it in on the Red Sox this year. Um, my co-host and I, we were kind of I know like there's thrown out a lot of over unders on what each team could do this year. But realistically, from a Red Sox point of view, what do you think they they're going to do. You think they're going to be 500, under 585 games, more than that? Kind of where are you at with this team right now, even with all the injury concerns and everything?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you know, the seasons are so unpredictable. Like no one thought that the Orioles were going to be as bad as they were in 2018. Like that was a horrific collapse and no one thought the Red Sox were going to be as good as they were in 2018 and you know, injuries play a huge part in how a season plays out. Like in 2018, they got lucky their pitching staff just was so healthy the whole year. And that was like the main reason why they were so good. Um, you know, unless they were cheating and then that's probably the main reason that they were so <laughs> good. But, <laughs> you know, like for example, like the minute the Yankees got Garrett Cole this offseason, they were projected to win like 120 games and when the, when the AL East, win you know, the pennant, win the world series, and then all of a sudden, like everybody's injured and now it's, you know, it's anybody's game kind of, mm-hmm. um, I hope the Red Sox just like finish with a 500 record. Like that's, that's kind of like, just give me like a 500 record for the season, you know, That's all I want at this point is kind of, and that's kind of all I wanted last year too, because there was a point at the, uh, you know, end of the summer, kind of beginning of fall where it was not even guaranteed that they were going to finish at 500. And they were the defending World Series champions who'd won a franchise record 108 games like a year before and I was like, just please, please don't finish with a losing record the year after you set a franchise record for regular season wins. Like, please just give me that. And I think they won like 83 or f- 85 games maybe. Um, but then they had they had a full starting – they had, you know, Mookie bets and they had more pitching than they do now. So, honestly, just give me that winning record. That's all I want. I just want to not be a complete and utter embarrassment. Um, but I think as for who's going to win the division, it's could be you guys. Um, I also wouldn't sleep on the blue Jays. They got some good pitching this year. Ryu was a strong national league Cy Young contender for a large chunk of last year. I got to see him pitch in LA when I was still living there. And I was actually at his game where he had a complete game shutout on like 95 pitches. He's great. Um, And that's really what they've been missing is they've been missing good starting pitching. So I think that they're going to be a lot better this year than they were last year too, especially since a lot of their young players who were showing flashes of brilliance last year have now begun to come into their own even more. So, I mean, and plus, you know, I'm going to root for anyone who's not the Yankees to win the division. So if it's you guys, if it's the Blue Jays, like, I'll root, I'll I'll bandwagon the hell out of it, you know.
0: Hey, I'll I'll take that too. I'll take that. It's funny because I do I agree with you completely on the Blue Jays. I think I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year, but I really do think they they are going to surprise some people and have at least a winning record. I mean. Um, if, if I was to make standings right now, I'd probably put Yankees at the top Rays behind them. Then Blue Jays, then kind of, I think the Red Sox and Blue Jays could really be similar record wise this year. And then of course you've got the Orioles, which I mean, if they win 60 games, that'd be an accomplishment for them. But yeah, the Blue Jays always give the Rays fits. Those young players are getting better a year later with them. And they've got this, this kid who's actually from the Tampa area named Nate Pearson, who throws like 104 and they're probably going to call him up at some point. So they're going to be a dangerous team at the very least. They're going to be, uh, aggravators to the Yankees and, and the rays and the Red Sox and every other team, in the division, as far as like, it won't be an easy automatic win for, for either of those teams at all. Um, and you mentioned cheating, I didn't mention it, you mentioned it. When do you what do you see coming out of this cheating probe with the Red Sox? Like what type of punishment do you think they deserve and and or what do you think they're going to get even after all the the Astro stuff that's starting to people are kind of moving on from that now focusing on the Red Sox. Um just what what are kind of your impressions of what's going to happen with all of that from your standpoint?
1: I mean Look, I, people are going to say that it's, you know, me being biased as a Red Sox fan, but the first thing I said when the allegations came out and the news broke that they were being investigated was that I don't want a championship that wasn't won fair and square. Like, that's my thing. I don't, you know, I love the Red Sox, but I have no problem being hard on them when they deserve it. And they've deserved it the last year. Like they've just made a lot of bad decisions. And if it turns mm-hmm. out that they cheated, then they should be punished. Um, but I definitely don't think that they were doing anything close to what the Astros were doing. What the Astros were doing was they was a highly convoluted complex and yet also simplistic with the trash cans. Like they had a very specific plan in place and what they were doing was just insane. And their lack of regard or concern for the opposing pitchers that whose careers they were affecting I find it reprehensible. I don't think the Red Sox were doing anything close to that. I think the Red Sox were doing what a lot of teams do, which is misusing their video replay room. I actually happen to know the athletic writer who wrote all of these articles. He's a friend of mine. And for starters, one of the problems is that a lot of people are not subscribed to the athletics. So they don't actually read the articles. They just see the headlines and then they go nuts. You know, the Yankees were named 70 plus times in that article. And it's known that they were doing exactly the same thing. And I think the problem is that if you're singling out the Red Sox and you're not actually just removing the video replay rooms or putting an MLB representative in each team's video replay room, this isn't going to stop because there are tons of teams. Like there was an American League executive who said, sometimes all it takes is a player coming to a team from a different team and saying I can't believe you guys are not doing this. Like this is something that a lot of teams are doing. This isn't like a Red Sox thing. And I think the two issues I have are that for one thing the the investigation is now dragging on very long mm-hmm. and the reason for that, unfortunately, is because they bungled the Astros investigation and their subsequent PR about the investigation so badly that they don't want to mess it up a second time. And so the Red Sox are being investigated more heavily than the Astros, which I think is ridiculous. And the other thing is that it's hanging over the Red Sox head in spring training now in a way that, it, like, yes, the Astros are getting hit by pitches and they're getting booed and whatever, but they deserve that. And they didn't actually get the players didn't actually get any punishment. So it's like, okay, you got to take your lumps, but to actually have the investigation pending hanging over a team's head is a punishment in itself. And that's what the Red Sox are dealing with right now. Like how are they supposed to focus on actually playing they've already lost their manager they lost Mookie they lost two of their starters Pedroya is still hurt uh Sale isn't going to be ready for opening day Verdugo is not going to be ready for opening day Colin McHugh who they got as like a reaction to Chris Sale not being ready also won't be ready because he is also plagued by elbow injuries it's like they already have enough to deal with interviewing them and being super obsessive about this for longer because you messed up a different investigation is not a reason to continue this investigation like just investigate them and then get it over with
0: do you hate stepping on the scale maybe it's because you haven't met the right one a company called withings produced the world's first smart scale and they are still the best In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale 2020. So if you're looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step-on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at Withings.com for a very limited time. Go to Withings.com, that's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. Again, that's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. Hey guys, there's such a good deal going on on the Locked On NBA Network that we thought we would share it with you on the Locked On MLB Network as well. Here's the offer. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Again, that's $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days from Postmates, to start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA. One guy I really feel sorry for is former Rays executive Haim Bloom, that he had to walk in and, and step into all this. Now, of course, he did take the the Red Sox job, but I don't know if he was expecting he would have to deal with all this in addition oh, to the no injuries way. and everything as well. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, what, what's the sense you've gotten from him? I mean, he hasn't been there long, and uh, it. it He's really got a lot on his plate just stepping into this role. But do you think it's going to end up working out um, as far as he is concerned and and Ron Renicky? Just how the organization going forward under their leadership, I mean, you you mentioned this year could kind of be a you're hoping for 500, but going forward, do you have confidence in those guys or just one of those guys?
1: I mean, the thing is, I was actually super excited about Chaim Bloom's coming here for starters cause I'm Jewish and he's Jewish. So that was like, great. And his sister-in-law is actually the head of my high school.
0: <laughs> wow. Small um, cause, world.
1: Cause they're a, they're a Lexington, Massachusetts family. My dad's like, knows Heimblum's Bloom's wife's parents apparently cause Jewish geography. Um, <laughs> so I was super excited that there was like a nice Jewish boy, you know, running the Red Sox, like young guy coming from the Rays, um, worked his way up in baseball and, you know, seems like a big baseball nerd, and I can relate to that. So I was, I was like, that this is great. Like, this is the perfect guy to replace Dombrowski, because he's like a, you know, he's the opposite. He's like, I called him the, the anti-Dombrowski, you know, he knows how to build a farm system. He knows how to work with not a lot of money, which, you know, the ridiculous thing is the Red Sox are acting like they have a raised budget when they don't. But, you know, if you want a guy who can work with a low budget, Chaim Bloom's your guy. But, I feel like he's kind of in an unwinnable situation here because he's had so much thrown at him that no one could have expected. He came into this situation thinking like, okay, well, I've got this great manager, Cora. And then that blew up in his face, like almost immediately, Um, you know, and then he is told by ownership, you know, you got to get under the CBT, like not even the highest threshold, like, (laughs) the competitive balance threshold. Um, and so he ships off Port, uh, Price and Mookie. But there have also been a lot of moments where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Because, I, you know, the Rays are a small market team. The Red Sox are a massive market team. And I just think he's kind of out of his depth. Like, the decisions that he's making, you know, he let Rick Porcello go away and... That was like a guy who is healthy every single year. You know, whether he's good or bad, Rick Porcello is healthy every single year. And that is such a rarity for a starting pitcher. Like he can go six, seven innings and he might not be very good, but at least he can literally pitch deep into a game. The Red Sox pretty much have no one else like that. And he was terrible last year. He had the worst ERA of any starting pitcher in baseball. So they could have gotten him cheap and he wanted to stay here. They could have probably gotten him for like 8 to $10 million, very affordable deal for a former Cy Young and World Series champ. And they just didn't do that. And that decision to let him go looked infinitely worse as soon as they traded Price and Mookie to the Dodgers because now you don't have two starters. And the starters that you're left with are Chris Sale, who was a huge question mark, and now is still injured and won't be ready for opening day. Nathan Ivaldi, who is currently healthy and doing really well in spring training, former Rays Nathan Ivaldi, but who gets hurt almost every year and has had two Tommy Johns already in his life. And then you have Eduardo Rodriguez, who was the unsung hero of the rotation last year. And, like, that was it. And then, you know, you're watching other teams, like the Mets picked up um, Michael Waka. There are all these teams that were just like snapping up these affordable pitchers. And I was just kind of like, Chaim Bloom, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're just like letting all these guys go. And then, you know, the other day they DFA'd Hector Velasquez, who can be a starter, long reliever, you know, late game guy, closer guy, like he was so versatile. And it's like of all the guys that you DFA, he's the guy. And now he's with the Orioles. I don't think Chaim Bloom, I think he's way in over his head.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, again, when you're going from the Rays where it's, they've got like 200 front office people and analytics guys that are all working together and all have this camaraderie. And then you've, you've been in that organization for so long and you step into such a big job with such a microscope on you. There definitely is, I think, uh, at least for Hein, there's going to be a learning curve there. Um, and, and maybe trying to switch gears and put, put the Red Sox in more of a positive night note or, or a lighter note. Um, is there who's out there that you think could, maybe be a breakout candidate for the team or, or a guy that maybe a prospect that you think gets called up and and really plays a big role. Is there anybody that you see that kind of people will know more about his name uh, in 2020?
1: The Red Sox still have an immense amount of talent. They lost Mookie. They lost a lot of pitching. They don't have a lot of pitching, but you know, we're forgetting, I think because this, the off season has been so traumatic for Red Sox fans. Like it's kind of hard to remember how much they still have. Um, But, you know, they have Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers, who were two of the best players offensively in baseball last year. Like Devers was a high candidate for AL MVP and he led MLB in a lot of, or was like top five and top 10 in a lot of offensive categories last year. And he's only 23 years old and the Red Sox renewed his contract and he's like a baby. He's like only just getting started. You have, Jackie Bradley Jr. in the outfield and, you know, he's amazing. And when he's, you know, when he's in one of his hot streaks offensively, he's great. And I think people forget because he's such a streaky hitter, people don't really appreciate that like he was the ALCS MVP in 2018. Like they don't win the ALCS without him. He had 10 RBIs on all on two out extra base hits when like Mookie Betts couldn't hit the right side of a barn like you got to appreciate players for who they are not compare them to who they're you know you think that they should be like JBJ's never going to be Mookie Betts at the plate but he had a 26 game or 29 game hitting streak in 2016 or 17 like he when he's hitting he's crazy good he had like a multi-homer game against the Blue Jays last summer um when Andrew Benintendi is figuring himself out He can be really good. He just needs to really turn it around because he was really bad last year. Um, And J.D. Martinez, of course, is one of the best hitters in baseball when he's healthy. And the way to keep him healthy is to keep him out of the outfield. So there are a lot of people to be, you know, hopeful and excited about this year. Mitch Moreland is back, and he's like a great, solid, you know, extra base hit RBI guy, like that kind of... You just know he's kind of good for like that RBI double just like when you need that extra run insurance, like that's great. Um, from a pitching standpoint, there's really not that many um, people to be excited about, <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of like young guys that the Red Sox have, like Xander's only like 26 years old. Raphael Devers is only 23. Um, these are guys that are going to be like Xander – chose to sign an extension last year. He went to the Red Sox and was like, I want to get this done. I want to be here for a long time. And he definitely could have gotten more on the open market, but he wanted that extension. He signed it like the first week of the regular season. So they've got him for a long time. And uh, I'm actually really excited for Kevin Pillar to come to be on the Sox. He's a great outfielder and he's given them a lot of trouble over the years with the Blue Jays. And he's a really likable guy fellow jew so i always like that because every <laughs> every time he plays my mom and my grandma are like did you know he's jewish and i'm like yes i, I know <laughs> um and i i met him during batting practice last year when he was with the giants and they came in september to play the Sox, and he just took so much time out of his bp schedule to like talk to fans who had come from Toronto to see him play, to come from San Francisco to see him play, like spent all this time talking to kids, signing stuff for them, asking them stuff. Um, So just like a great guy. And, you know, he's only 31. Like people are acting like he's like 42. And, you know, he's still really young. He can hit. He's a great outfielder, like great pickup for them. Um It's just a matter of how bad or good the Red Sox pitching is. That's, and also just the mental, the mental state of the team as a whole. Like, I think people don't talk enough about how much, like, I know this sounds really cheesy, but good vibes. Like, how much of a clubhouse environment and, like, how positive the vibes are in the clubhouse. Like, that. Plays a huge part. When a team doesn't get along, when they don't like each other, like they're probably not going to do that well because they're not going to be a cohesive unit.
0: Right. Yeah. It's funny about Kevin Pilar because I was in the offseason because we know about Kevin Kiermaier's injury history and he gets injured just about every year. That I thought Kevin Pilar would have been a good backup signing or a good signing because he can still hit. He can still he can still field. He is a clubhouse leader and he has familiarity with the ALEs like that. I think that's actually going to end up winding up being a really good signing for the Red Sox. And I think he'll probably make some really amazing plays and and do some damage against the Rays as well. And, and the other point about, um, just the, the good vibes thing. I I just wonder how much of that is taken out by Mookie Betts and David Price being traded if, and how much of an impact that will have knowing that are like one of the best, maybe the, the second best position player in baseball is no longer on our team. Just how much of like a Debbie downer that is basically.
1: Well, the thing with Mookie is that Mookie, you know, in 2018, when Mookie was the leadoff man, you knew that he was getting up there and he was either like ripping a double or even a home, a leadoff home run, like the first at bat of the game. It starts off on such a positive note. And that makes a difference. Like you, the feeling that the minute you start the game, you're hot right out of the gate. It just sets the tone and Mookie set that tone. And then last year um, in the 2018, 19 offseason, season, um, Alex Cora announced that Andrew Benintendi was going to bat lead off. And that Mookie was going to bat second. And the second he said that I was like, Nope, that's a terrible idea. And the re- like, his logic was sound that if Mookie's in the in the two hole instead of batting leadoff, and there's someone who gets on base in front of him, instead of Mookie either getting on base as with a you know single, double, whatever, or hitting a home run, he either has the opportunity to drive in a run if someone's already on base, or you know hit a two run homer instead of a, a solo home run. So I understood that, but the person that they chose to bat leadoff, <laughs> Andrew Benintendi, was statistically the worst. Leadoff hitter the Red Sox have had in the last twenty years, and I say twenty years because after twenty years I stopped looking; it got too depressing. His first inning batting average was oh nine four. He couldn't even crack a hundred in first innings. He was almost a guaranteed strikeout. And so you went from having a team where you're hot right out of the gate, Mookie's already on base, like smiling and like you know, let's go. We're going to win this game to you start off every single game with a strikeout. And that's just like the energy was so palpably different. And when they, and I was like, okay, this clearly, I was like, all right, fine. You do this experiment for like two weeks, a month, whatever. If it doesn't work, you switch back. Cora kept Benintendi in the leadoff spot until the first week of June. And I remember because he, they announced that Mookie would go back to batting leadoff two days before my birthday, and I was in New York for Sox-Yankees. And I was like, okay, great, but it's too late. <laughs> and it was too late, you know, because the energy of the team was already shifted and they were already too, ga- too many games behind the Yankees and the Rays, honestly. And, like, that was it. And so for this year, you know, you got to – if you already don't have Mookie and you don't have the veteran leadership of Porcello – even Price, um, Pedroia's hurt again. You need to take into account the fragility of the energy in the clubhouse even more than usual because there's already so many outside factors that are threatening the success of this team. You got to protect the little you can control. And I have to say, I think, you know, you asked about like what it's like, you know, Mookie's not there. That's obviously really hard. I think it's equally, if not more difficult in a different way that Brock Holt isn't there because, you know, like obviously offensively you can't compare Brock Holt to Mookie Betts. But the kind of player and clubhouse presence that Brock Holt was will be sorely missed with this team. And I think the fact, like all of these guys, like they were so close and Brock Holt was there, he was a veteran Player in this clubhouse by this point. He's been with the team since like 2013. He was a guy that the Red Sox really could have afforded. He cost like $3 million mm. to not give that guy what he deserved when he was such an important clubhouse presence. Fans loved him. Um only player in MLB history to hit for the cycle in a postseason game. That's freaking awesome. It's like, you know, you understand the Red Sox want to go and start being cheap. Like, okay, so you get rid of David Price and Mookie because they command a lot of money. Um, It sucks and they didn't need to do it. They chose to do it. But like, at least you can understand that. But when you are, when your payroll's at $180 million and you need infielders and Brock Holt has openly said that he wants to spend the entire rest of his career in a Boston uniform and considers this his home. It's like, okay, so you, you didn't go out and pay that guy. Um, like that's the kind of stuff that affects a clubhouse. Cause you feel like your bosses just don't care about you at all.
0: Right. Like they're almost like punting on this season and just gearing up. Okay. Well, what can we do in two, three, four years from now? This season is like a lost cause. So we're just gearing up for future years. I, now I'm definitely going to note, like if Andrew Benintendi ever leads off, I'm going to like think of you and think about how angry <laughs> you are because I did not know that Andrew Benintendi was that bad of a leadoff hitter, but now I know. So uh, I would imagine that would be that is definitely going to be something I will be watching uh, going into this season. All right. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Rays. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we will talk to you next week.